Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the USC Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in L.A. and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? I'm Nara Wang, and joining me in just a bit will be the two-time national champion at USC and 13-year NFL defensive lineman Frosty Rucker. But first, if you enjoy our show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes and wherever you can find the show on your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And the website where you can find us, of course, is Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, and on social media at Believe Podcasts. For me, you can find and follow me on Twitter at Nara Wang Sports. That's N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Frosty is on Twitter and Instagram at The Organic Frost. So hit us up with questions, comments, anything you want to talk about regarding USC football. We're happy to hear it. In what may have been USC's most impressive performance of the season, the Trojans took the weekender trip up to the Bay Area and ruined Cal's senior day with a 41-17 blowout of the Golden Bears. The game was tied at 10 in the second quarter before SC scored 31 unanswered points to cruise to victory. Keaton Slovis completed 83% of his passes for 406 yards, four touchdowns, and committed no turnovers, becoming the first Trojan ever to have three games of 400-plus pass yards in a single season. That's ever, folks. The defense and special teams didn't give up a big play until Cal's 34-yard fourth-quarter TD run that was basically meaningless. And Frosty, it was another huge game for the guy you think is the Trojans' MVP this season. Pittman is the MVP, and there's no question about it. Michael Pittman, of course, had 11 big catches, 180 yards, and a touchdown. He is now a Bolitnikoff Award semifinalist that is awarded to the best wide receiver in college football annually. And, I mean, let's be honest, with some of the other big names on that list from big schools, guys like C.D. Lamb at Oklahoma and Jamar Chase at LSU, Jerry Judy at Alabama, The chances of Pittman winning it are probably slim, but it's nice to see him get that recognition. Absolutely. Like you said, 11 for 180. Those are eye-popping numbers. For a team that's been a roller coaster ride, he's been as consistent as any receiver in the country, and he should be really toe-to-toe with the rest of those guys that have these big-time names, and I think he has a shot to get this award. And of course, USC is taking the call on themselves. WRU, Kerry Colbert, the wide receivers coach, is trying to make it wide receiver U. And we've had some great ones over the years. We've got a great group now. And we might be looking at the emergence of another great one in Drake London. Six catches, 111 yards, and a touchdown for the true freshman who was named the Pac-12 Freshman of the Week for his efforts in that Cal game. And considering this was a guy who had trouble making some catches at balls thrown his way earlier when USC was struggling, it's amazing to see how much he's progressed in the last four or five games. He's become a big-time threat for the Trojans. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just the pressure right now that everyone's coming from the outside in, and these guys are responding. Obviously, the kid got recruited to even be on that roster, and he's good enough to be a Trojan. But you can sometimes have a drop here or there, and he's responded. And that's what I want. I've said it time and time in on this podcast that I want to see these guys respond to all the negativity. I want them, A, to block it out, but respond. And like you said, getting awards like this when you're not going to be in the playoff pitcher or nothing like that, continue to play. And I may sound cliche, but to fight on throughout all this adversity is showing the character of these guys. And they're really making an impression on me. And I'm sure for the year to come, they're building a lot of steam. Yeah, definitely. Of course, everyone is looking forward toward the future. We'll get more into that. But to, again, go through the game, it was one of those games where for the first time ever, we actually won the coin toss and chose to defer. Normally, Clay Helton likes to get the ball first instead of doing what most people do and deferring. This time, we actually deferred, and Cal took the ball and went down the field and got a touchdown to start off the game. So for once, we did not get off to the quick start by getting the ball and going first. We went behind, but then we countered back with a touchdown drive of USC's own, ending with Amon Ross St. Brown getting a touchdown catch. It then kind of went back and forth for a quarter and a half, and I think one of the big plays of the game was when Cal starting quarterback Chase Garbers, who was making his return after missing four games, got hit by Drake Jackson on a run and landed on his left shoulder, which was how he was hurt against Arizona State, left the game there, and even though they were able to finish off that drive with a field goal to make it 10-10, they were never the same after that. USC going on that 31 unanswered point streak to take a 41-10 lead before Cal added the garbage time touchdown in the fourth quarter. And another big thing is in that first drive, USC lost senior defensive end Christian Rector on a targeting when he just absolutely destroyed Cal running back Christopher Brown Jr., who did not return to the game after that hit. So Cal basically lost its starting quarterback and running back within the first quarter and a half of the game. I think those two injuries for Cal played a big deal in USC's success. And also, by the way, Frosty, you probably would have been ejected about, what, five times for making that same hit that Christian Rector made? And I would hit him the same every single time. So, yeah, I would probably be ejected. That's just how the referees are calling these games. It is a much different time from when you were playing at USC compared to how they call it now. And again, by the letter of the rule, it was targeting. He did lower the crown of his helmet and made that hit. It's just tough when those are basically what everyone has known for so long to be football plays. And it wasn't like it was a defenseless wide receiver or something like that. But I get that you're going to make those calls and especially Pac-12 refs, they make that call and that's going to be how it is. But honestly, I think it might be a different game, especially with Garbers, if he doesn't have to leave the game and Devon Monster came in and kind of struggled for Cal. Yeah, absolutely. That quarterback is what really made them go. And him going down and the running back going down, that really put them behind the wagon there. But, you know, the unfortunate part for them is that they didn't have quality guys that could step up and still make the thing go like we've been doing as the season progressed. It's always been next man up for us. And this time our next man up are actually taking care of business. For sure. And the other thing that surprised me, I don't know if it surprised you, but Cal chose to only return two out of the eight kickoffs that we sent their way. 
And considering they have a good kickoff returner in Ashton Davis, and USC's kickoff return coverage has been absolutely putrid this entire season, I was a little surprised to see them fair catching these kickoffs that weren't reaching the end zone. Did that catch you by surprise? Yeah, I was taken by it, especially, like you said, the way our teams have been playing this season. And I don't know what the coaching method was behind that. And I would always stay aggressive, especially if it's shown on tape. The team's going to give you something. You got to at least attack it and see how it is. And they didn't do it. So that was shocking to me, too. The only thing that you can maybe say was a negative, considering how well SC played overall, I think, again, it was probably the most impressive game that SC has had all season, was we still had a bunch of penalties, eight of them for 75 yards, but half of them were in the first quarter. So there was a pass interference on Chris Steele and the targeting on the very first drive that led to a Cal touchdown. And then when we got the ball, false start on Jalen McKenzie. And then later on, there was that unsportsmanlike conduct call on Josh Follow. So four of them in the very first quarter and then four the rest of the game. So they did clean it up a little bit after that. But that's just one of the things that is still one of USC's issues, which again goes back to how people feel about the coaching. And so let me bring in the Helton Hot Seat Scale poll that I run on Twitter after every game to get the pulse of how Trojan Nation is feeling about how hot the seat really is for Clay Helton. And of course, the scale is based on chili peppers, starting with the hottest, the Carolina Reaper, 2.2 million Scoville heat units. That's the measurement on how they rank chili peppers, followed by the ghost pepper, habanero, and cayenne. And this week, the results came in. Again, not a surprise based on how people feel, but 50% of the vote was for the Carolina Reaper, which was down from last week. 38% going ghost pepper and 12% habanero, no one voting for Cayenne once again. So again, half the people voting still feel that the seat is extremely hot on Clay Helton. I get the feeling that I think most people have resigned themselves to the fact that with the new athletic director, Mike Bone, coming in, and even though SC is playing well to end the season, I think most people feel that there is going to be a new coach after this season, but we'll see. No, I mean, there's going to be change just because there has to be. We've had too many mediocre seasons back to back to back, mediocre teams, and it's time to regain that dominance. And I'm glad the pressure's been put there and the team's actually responding, but you're also welcoming a a letdown versus a low-caliber team also. So you don't know what you're going to get every week in, week out, but we always hope for the best, right? Exactly. Now, if you enjoy listening to us every week here, Please subscribe and rate our show. You can find us wherever you find your podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Also the website, Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com. On social media, at Believe Podcast. On Twitter, find me and follow me at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Frosty, where do they find you? You can always find me at The Organic Frost. That's at The Organic Frost on Instagram and Twitter. So now let's look ahead to this week, the big rivalry game, the Crosstown Cup Series against those UCLA Bruins. It's going to be the 89th meeting in the series. The game Saturday afternoon, 12.30 p.m. on ABC and, of course, locally, KABC 790 AM. The Bruins 
Four and six overall, four and three in the Pac-12, coming off a brutal 49-3 loss at Utah to snap their three-game winning streak. Chip Kelly's squad has been struggling, to say the least, during his two years as head coach. Looked like they had maybe turned a little bit of a corner, but then Utah kind of put them back in their place because they had actually gone into that game thinking they still had a chance to win the Pac-12 South, which they technically still do, but those chances are incredibly slim, even slimmer than USC's chances because SC still has a shot as well to possibly go to the Pac-12 championship game. We'll get into that in just a little bit, but let's talk about some of the key players to look for on UCLA. On offense, the quarterback is Dorian Thompson Robinson. He's got just under a 60% completion percentage on the season, 2,056 yards, 17 touchdowns to 10 interceptions. He's known as a dual threat guy, only has 168 rush yards total, but that's mainly because in the nine games that he's played this season, he's basically had five games with positive rush yardage and four games with negative rush yardage. So it's kind of counterbalanced that. Their running back, Joshua Kelly, 939 yards, 10 touchdowns. Last year, ran all over USC. A series record 289 yards. That's right. He has the most rush yards by any person in the long history between USC and UCLA. And wide receiver Kyle Phillips, a redshirt freshman, has 43 catches, 490 yards to lead the team. Also has five touchdowns. But really, this offense is kind of a just slightly below average offense. They're 77th overall in total offense, tied for 79th in scoring offense. It's one of those things that a lot of people expected a lot more when they had Chip Kelly brought in to be their head coach. Yeah, again, we've sat here and gave Helton so much crap for being mediocre, but the headlining guy across town hasn't lived up to a tenth of that contract. And you know that a lot of Bruin fans are uneasy because they expected a lot quicker turnaround. But the college game has changed since Chip Kelly was running the offense at Oregon. Everyone has now picked up all that up-tempo stuff that he helped bring into the forefront of college football. And so when everyone's doing it now and you don't have necessarily the best guys or guys who fit your program. Again, he's had to come in and try and work with guys who were Jim Mora recruits and don't necessarily fit what he's trying to do. Exactly. It's going to take a little bit of time, but they did show signs of getting better, and they are better than they were last year, so we'll see how that goes. And I think the key there is SC's got to stop Joshua Kelly and make sure Dorian Thompson-Robinson doesn't get loose as well. Again, SC against running quarterbacks has always been an issue. <laughs> no, <laughs> is that a shot at me? <laughs> no, that's a shot at basically the last 20 years of USC. So Yeah, I'm definitely taking the shot there. <laughs> I guess you're included in that, Frosty. I'm telling you, I'm going to order so much food when I beat you at the end of the season <laughs> just for that comment. I'm going to order so much food on you. We'll get to that. But let's look at the UCLA defense now. They've got inside linebacker Chris Barnes with 65 tackles, nine of them for loss, three of them are sacks. He's also got an interception, a forced fumble, and five pass breakups on the year. Defensive end Osa Odigizua, 36 tackles, also nine for loss for him. He's got three and a half sacks. And cornerback Darnay Holmes, 22 tackles, one of them for a loss, has an interception and a fumble recovery, four pass breakups, and 
This defense, you look at the numbers, they are not very good. They give up 442 yards a game on average. That's 106th in the country out of 130. Scoring defense, they give up 33.7 points a game. That's 111th in the country. Their rush defense is solid, 143 and a half yards a game, basically 51st in the country, but they're 123rd in the nation in pass defense. And guess what USC is basically doing now? Just passing the ball. They didn't really even try and run too much, even with Stephen Carr back last week. And we may even get Vavai Malapai back for this week's game. Still, again, we are recording this on a Wednesday, so I haven't seen an update yet on whether he's going to be able to play. But even so, it looks like they're going to ride the passing game, and you would think they should have success against the UCLA defense. Yeah, and if we're hucking the ball around, we got the best receiving core in college football, it seems like. And the matchup's favorable, but you know what? For this game, I don't even take and consider it any of those stats. I know the defense isn't playing good, but those guys are going to play big this weekend. This is just what it's all about. It comes down to the UCLA-USC game. And put stats aside, and it's going to knuckle up, and it's going to be a good one. I feel like it's going to be a great game. Yeah, I mean, it's a rivalry game, like you said. Throw the stats out, throw the rankings out. And we weren't expecting either team to be ranked. And then the college football playoff rankings came out yesterday. And again, that really is only meaningful to get the top four. We know that. But I'm going to ask you this, because I can't believe it. How in the heck did USC get ranked number 23 by the college football playoff poll? Hey, I don't know. But the fact of the matter that they're showing some type of love, it can give hope to these guys. You know, it's not where any of us think. I mean, I'm not sitting here wishing they weren't ranked in the top 25, right? So the fact that we can sneak in, I mean, any help we can get before this whole place gets blown up and we're recruiting a new coach and recruiting new players, give them some hope. And that's good. I'll take it. That's a positive. I think that's a good way to look at it. And again, we are trying to finish this season with a three-game win streak as opposed to what we did last year where we finished with a three-game losing streak and out-of-bowl contention. This year, we are, of course, bowl eligible. We'll see where that ends up after we play this game on Saturday against UCLA. And there is still a chance that USC could go to the Pac-12 championship game. Oregon has already clinched the Pac-12 North division, but the Pac-12 South is pretty much between SC and Utah if Utah is to stumble. Now, again, no one's expecting Utah to lose to Arizona or Colorado in the next two games, but you never know with the Pac-12. That's one of the crazy things about the Pac-12 is that anyone, it seems, can rise up and beat anybody else on any given Saturday or Friday or Thursday or wherever they play the games nowadays. Yeah, every day. But if USC can beat UCLA and they're off next week, they can just sit and watch and see if Utah stumbles. And with that win at the Coliseum earlier this year, SC has the tiebreaker against Utah. How crazy would it be if USC somehow makes it to the Pac-12 title game? Look, for a struggling group of guys that everyone's counting them out, I've sat here and even counted against them in games and they actually won. And that just hurts my feelings, right? But for a group of guys, if they get another shot at it, another shot at doing something good, a shot at getting some type of ring out of this, so be it. Selfishly, I would really love to see another chance at Oregon. Not sure how the guys feel about that. You know, I'm not in that locker room. But if everything shakes out and Utah does stumble and we get to be in that game, I would love to see an all-out, everything Helton has in his playbook that he's drawn up since heck, he played high school ball, his favorite play. I want to see every play he has to defeat that team because Oregon's good. 
And if SC gets another crack at it, I would love to see how aggressive our coaches can be. Because that's, I think, going into that week, I said, throw everything out of a fake punt, a double reverse kickoff return. It doesn't matter. They're a really good team, and you have to still a play here and there. So I'd love to see that matchup again. Yeah, I think SC would definitely like to try and make amends for how they looked in that game where Oregon basically just drubbed USC. They'd love to get another chance at that, and we'll see. Again, it will require Utah to lose to either Arizona or Colorado, which would seem unlikely, but you never know in the crazy Pac-12. But I want to get your memories of playing UCLA the final home game of your career in 2005 was that great 66-19 to 19 destruction of the Bruins. According to the NCAA, that game doesn't exist, but we all saw it. We all know it exists. I want to get your memories of playing in that game as your final game as a senior. Oh, man, my heart's racing just thinking about that moment, man. It's just big time, you know, never losing in the Coliseum playing that final game versus UCLA that was going to take us to the national championship. It was a dream. I remember being in that tunnel with just all seniors and your whole team's out in the field waiting for you to come through for them to say your name. And when you're a senior at SC, they let your parents on the field. So some parents don't ever get to go to the games. And it's just, a, it's a blessing to, to be able to be recognized for your contributions over a course of a career there. And it's just a big moment, especially playing versus your crosstown rival to take you to the national championship. Those are things you dream of. The Battle of L.A., that lasts forever. I never lost to UCLA, and I can say that. I never lost to UCLA, and a lot of, a lot of guys that play at USC can't say that. You know, really good football players, when I left, lost to UCLA. And it's something I'll take to my grave. I never lost to them. It was the best show in town. You know, I'm proud. It's a very proud, humbling moment to play your last one in the Coliseum in front of those fans and the students and your parents and your friends. And it's a special, unique moment for a Southern California kid. Yeah, it must have been great to finish off your career against UCLA with that huge win. In my four years of college at USC, I had the unfortunate distinction of being part of the only four-year class at USC to never beat UCLA in football or men's basketball. That's right. In the two major sports in college athletics, I went 0 for four years against UCLA. That's gross. Just absolutely brutal. Again, the only four-year class in USC history to have that distinction. And it's not a good one. Well, there's a stat for the Hall of Fame. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. So you had a very different feeling than I did when I was a senior against UCLA. I mean, I saw people crying as we were leaving the Coliseum. That's how bad it was. Well, it means so much, though. It means so much to so many people. You know what I mean? Like, let me explain something. The game of football, if the Trojans win on the Saturday, people go to work Monday so excited to high-five and regroup and talk about the next game. People, they love the Trojans. They love the Trojan football. So if you don't beat UCLA, those are bragging rights for all... (laughs) (laughs) those bragging rights can be humiliating. I can only imagine the wagers and bets that get put on this game. It's a big deal with everyone in LA, Southern Cal. It's as good as it gets. And to win every time meant a lot. And for you to lose every time, I'm sure that scarred you. Oh, I still can't believe that that happened. I really can't believe that we didn't beat UCLA in football and men's basketball. I mean, both sports. It's mind boggling to think that happened. But it's also something we should note 
It's that it's going to be the final home game for Trojan marching band director, Dr. Art Bartner. After 50 years at the helm of the Spirit of Troy, he will be stepping down. So this will be his final home game leading the Trojan marching band. And the rider of Traveler, Hector Aguilar, who's been the main rider for 15 years for Traveler, he is also retiring. So a couple of big people in the Trojan family are also going to be finishing off their careers when it comes to USC football on Saturday at the Coliseum. See, Dr. Bartner means so much to the Trojan community. I had a chance to see him when I went to the homecoming game this past year, and I had a real chance to tell him how special it was to have him directing the band and directing our team. They gave us energy when we were in Notre Dame. They gave us energy every time we needed a third down play on defense. It was that band that got the students rallied in. Every single time we needed a little bit more energy, a little bit more juice, he was right there. And he's one of those all-time greats that will never go unnoticed. You know, that level of commitment for that many years through every single thing that this athletic department has been a part of, what he's achieved in his career. Our band plays at Laker games. We're on TV. They play with famous bands and it's so world recognized because of Dr. Bartner. He's done such a phenomenal job. I mean, it all starts to him. So congrats. Enjoy your retirement. You're a Trojan for life. We all appreciate all your hard work and right to the sunset, man. Yeah, you are absolutely right. He turned the Trojan marching brand into a phenomenon. And again, they are seen all over the place. One of the most famous bands in the world. And that is a tribute to Dr. Art Bartner retiring after 50 years. And that'll be his final home game. And of course, Traveler is the symbol of USC. Always rides out after a Trojan touchdown. So a change in ridership there is a big deal as well. So we look forward to the future, but we also pay respect to the past. That's what we do at USC. If you enjoy our show, again, please subscribe and rate us. Finding us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, wherever you get your podcasts. And the website is Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Podcasts. For me, I'm on Twitter. Find and follow me at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Where do they find you on social media, Frosty? Yeah, I'm at The Organic Frost. That's on Instagram and at The Organic Frost on Twitter. Those are the only apps and websites I'm on. If there's any other one out there, please report it to that. Those aren't me. They're fake. You heard the man. Don't trust the fakers out there. Only the real ones. So now it is time for the always fun segment of our show where we make our predictions and try and look smart. Oftentimes we end up falling short in our predictions, but hey, it's all about the effort. And as we remind you every week, it's for entertainment purposes only. So if you take our picks and go to Vegas with it, that's your money. You can spend it how you want. We're not taking the blame for it. So let's recap how we went last week. And Frosty, it was a good week for you. Players that we believed in last week, I went with the defensive end, true freshman Drake Jackson. You went with Michael Pittman Jr. And of course, Pittman, as we mentioned, the big game, 11 catches, 180 yards and a touchdown. Drake Jackson had three tackles, including a sack. And he was the one who had the hit on Chase Garbers to knock the Cal starting quarterback out of the game. So I think Drake played pretty well, but I got to give it to you. Michael Pittman Jr. was the man. So you get the win on that. In the game score, 
Well, obviously, Frosty wins because he picked USC. He said 35-24. I went with the reverse jinx by going Cal 23-17. And, of course, 41-17, big USC win, a big win for Frosty there. And then in our prop bet segment, Frosty's cold, hard truth and Nara's no doubter. For me, I said that USC would allow a return touchdown and it didn't happen mainly because on kickoff returns, Cal basically chose not to return most of the time. So, hey, I'll take that. And Frosty, you said there would be three plus takeaways by USC. You came close. They got two of them, two picks. Yeah, they were close. By the USC defense. So no winner on the prop bet segment, although Frosty did come close. So thanks to the two wins by Frosty last week, he has now taken the lead in our competition. He has five wins. I have three, and we tied three times. So going into the final regular season game here, you've got a two-game lead on me. And, of course, the bet is that we're going to meet up at a USC basketball game at the Galen Center, and someone is buying concessions that night or day at the Galen Center. So right now you've got the lead. I'm going to hand it to you. That was a good week by you. But we still have two games to go because we're going to have this UCLA game here this week, and then we're going to have a bowl game to decide it all. I'm ready. Should we make the bowl game even maybe extra points? If it's tied up. If it's tied up. We can discuss that. But let's go with this week's predictions here, beginning, of course, with the players that we believe in. I am going to start it off here. And like you said last week, it's too easy to pick Keaton Slovis, the quarterback. It's almost not fair if you pick him. Yeah, he's spreading it right now. And, you know, hats off to the offensive coordinator. He has done a phenomenal job when even the games where you don't understand why they would call that call or it's almost like you can couch coach. They're getting it done, though. They're putting up the stats. The receivers are getting the ball and the quarterback stepping up. And that quarterback's making it real tough for next year. I'm just saying it now. The quarterback competition is going to be real tough to match what he's put up this year. Yeah, I think he's definitely proven himself to be the leader of the pack. And again, we'll have to wait and see what the coaching staff may be next year and everything. But he's definitely put a lot of good stuff on film. And I think this was his best game of the season, the game against Cal for Keaton Slovis. But I think, again, it's too easy to pick him. So I'm going to avoid taking the easy road here. I want to earn the victory over you. So I'm going to go with one of his receivers. And I'm not going to go with the obvious choice. I'm not going to go with Michael Pittman Jr. I'm going to go with the true freshman, Drake London. He's been stepping up big these last few weeks. He's getting a lot more targets. It's going to be his first time in this rivalry. So maybe in the first quarter, there might be a little bit of jitters, but I think he'll get over it. So I am going with wide receiver, true freshman, Drake London as the player I believe in for USC this Saturday. Frosty, who are you going with? That's not a bad call. Like you said, the young guy stepped up and responded Truly, truly remarkable season or the last few games he's put together. I'll say that, right? I'm going to say with Pittman. I think, especially in this game or these next two, coaches know where they got to go. They got to go get the ball to the big dog. And he is setting himself up to have a bright future and make a lot of money. And if they can keep playing catch, Slovis and Pittman, it could be a long day for the Bruins. Any chance he gets a one-on-one, it seems like they're going for him nowadays. And He's leading the way, so I'm going to stay with Pittman. That's going to be my solidified pick. I'm not going to waver from that, and boom, you got it. 
All right. So the player that Frosty believes in, he's sticking with his guy, Michael Pittman Jr. for a second straight week. So dueling wide receivers for the players we believe in. Again, both guys had great games against Cal. We'll see who has the better one against UCLA. And then normally we would go to our game score prediction, but got a little twist on that. So we're going to save that and go first to our prop bets where we just pick something that has nothing to do with the game score. It's just something that we feel is guaranteed to happen. We're usually not right, but a lot of times it ends up in some cases being, for me at least, a reverse jinx where I pick something bad against USC and it ends up working out okay. So I am not going to necessarily do that this week, although it is kind of, I guess, maybe I'm hoping for a reverse jinx, but I think that for Nara's no doubter this week, I am going to go with USC committing a combined eight or more penalties and turnovers in the game. Again, those have been the hallmark of why SC has had issues over the past few years is penalties and turnovers. And so, and you'll maybe find out more once I give you my game score prediction while I'm saying this, but the Nara's no doubter pick of the week is that USC combines for at least eight penalties and turnovers. And so now let's hear what Frosty's cold hard truth is this week. Well, Frosty's cold hard truth for the UCLA, USC rivalry week. I'm going with an overtime game. Ooh. You know, I feel like it's going to go all the way to the wire. We're going to get some type of overtime and a great finish. That is a very interesting choice. Overtime game for UCLA and USC. All right. So I'm going to be very interested to hear what your score prediction is. So let's talk about how we're doing the score predictions this week. I held it off. I wanted to get some of the other guys who have co-hosted with me this season. I wanted to get them to share what they thought the score would be this week. So I reached out to the guys. We began the season with Scott Felix as my co-host. And we also had Cyrus Hobby in for a couple of shows as a guest. And then we had wide receiver Damian Williams and the editor of Conquest Chronicles, USC's SB Nation website, Matthew Lowry, and my old classmate and buddy, fantasy football expert for NFL.com and the NFL Network, Marcus Grant. So I reached out to all those guys, and I heard back from everybody but Scotty. I think Scotty and Cyrus, they have their own show, The Players' Lounge, on Believe, so maybe they're just saving it for their own show. But let me give you what the other guys sent our way. First, wide receiver Damian Williams. He is choosing USC 31-23. And he believes that USC is taking back this rivalry and hanging on to it. He's got 31-23. And now let's hear from the editor of Conquest Chronicles. This is Matthew Larry here with SB Nation's Conquest Chronicle. I have USC winning this game 45 to 24. And the reason why is because I don't see UCLA's defense having enough to slow down the aerial attack of Keaton Slovis and the USC wide receiving core. Based off of how they played last week, I think there's a lot of momentum coming into this game for USC. I think UCLA, they'll move the ball a little bit with uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson and his ability to run 
as well as with Joshua Kelly. I think they will give the USC defense some fits, but I think USC's ability to score is going to be too much for UCLA. So I have USC winning this game again, 45 to 24. All right. So Matthew has a big margin of victory for USC. And now from my old roommate and classmate in the Annenberg School of Journalism at USC. Hey, everybody. It's Marcus Grant from NFL Media, USC class of 98. Getting old. Anyway, I got to go with the Trojans in this one. I think USC wins it. I'll give the score 34 to 17. Biggest reason is just those wide receivers in that passing game. I don't know that UCLA wants to get in an up-and-down game with this Trojan offense right now. I think that does not work out well for them. And I think the Trojans will figure out a way to kind of get some points. Hopefully, it's not sort of a score early and hold on the rest of the day sort of thing. But regardless, uh, I think USC figures out a way to win. Fight on! So Marcus, as well, has USC covering the 13.5-point spread that USC is favored by this week. And so now it's time for us to make our choices. I think I'm going to go first because I want to wait and see what dramatic overtime stuff that you're going to talk about here, Frosty. So my choice, I also think it's going to be a classic down-to-the-wire game. I think oftentimes when both schools are maybe struggling or not so great, you end up with either a stinker of a game or an absolute classic. I'm going to lean toward getting a classic this week. And again, it might be one of those where SC fans are hanging on for dear life, wondering how we can be in this kind of predicament against a UCLA team that has struggled so much. But I think SC is going to jump out as they always seem to do to a fast start, jump out to a lead on UCLA, maybe something like 14-0 and then 21-7, and then kind of stall out a little bit, and the Bruins make an improbable comeback, and it's going to go down to the wire. I think UCLA ends up taking the lead late in the game, and USC wins it on a last-minute field goal. My final score prediction, USC 31, UCLA 30. That's good. I'm not mad at that. That's decent because you gave me the breakdown of how you see it. So it makes me understand, you know, it's going to be a dramatic finish. And that's where I'm going. It's a dramatic finish. It's that type of week, that type of game. It's raining this week. It's going down. All the football gods are they're out and sogging the, the field up, getting it ready. I personally think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think it's going to be one of those good old-fashioned, we're not very good, but we kind of are. And we're not kind of good, but we have potential. And these guys are going to make these big primetime L.A. plays and turn a lot of guys into local celebrities. This happens in this game. I'm going with a down-the-line. I would really want to drum roll with this one because I think it's going to be something special. But I think they go into overtime at 45-45, and there's a field goal that wins it. So 48-45, Trojans. 48-45 in overtime. Frosty's pick for the game. Wow, that would be a crazy, exciting game. So both of us have it close, closer than anyone else has picked. And we think it's going to be a down-to-the-wire game at the Coliseum this Saturday. And I also, I don't know about you, I love the fact that it's a classic Saturday afternoon game with the 12.30 start. Yeah, it's a perfect one. We don't have to wait all day for it. These kids get to wake up and get right to it. And again, that brings the whole excitement to it that you don't even have time to eat your breakfast. You got to get up and get ready to go. And we're going to get a classic afternoon USC-UCLA that should go down to the wire. 
with the Chosen being victorious and going to go around town for another year saying we run LA. Again, the victory bell and bragging rights on the line between USC and UCLA on Saturday. So let's recap our predictions for this week. First, the players we believe in, both of us going with wide receivers. Frosty sticking with his choice from last week, Michael Pittman Jr. I'm going with the freshman sensation, Drake London. In our prop bet, Nara's no-doubter is that SC combines to have eight or more turnovers and penalties. Frosty's cold hard truth is that it's going to overtime between the Bruins and the Trojans. And then finally, the game scores to give you what everyone else who sent in their picks. Damian Williams, the former USC and NFL wide receiver, 31-23 in favor of the Trojans. Matthew Lowry, editor of Conquest Chronicles, 45-24 USC. Marcus Grant of NFL Media, 34-17 Trojans. I am going with a 31-30 USC victory. And Frosty, with that overtime prediction, says it's going to be 48-45, a classic in overtime. So before we get going here, any final thoughts on this rivalry game? Well, you want my final thoughts? For you seniors, this is it. This is your last impression at USC versus UCLA in this rivalry game. Take it to heart. Do whatever it takes to win. I say that to say this. Die for an extra ball. Game tackle. Do what you're supposed to do to be victorious. Do it with class, but kick their ass. This game means more than any other game. So really, get all the losses and all the pats on the back from the last two weeks. You can erase all that, right? This game is about the respect to know what school is more dominant in football. And if you have a chance to make a big play, make sure you show up for that play. So study hard in school and practice. When that play comes, make sure you arrive. That's all I got. Good luck. Well said. And, of course, if you enjoyed listening to us, subscribe and rate us. Find us iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Our website is Believe.com, B-L-E-A-V.com, on social media, at Believe Podcast. You can also find plenty of other podcasts to fill your fancy there. Check them out. Plenty of other podcasts regarding USC sports and LA football in particular. And on Twitter, find me at Nara Wang Sports, N-A-R-A-W-E-N-G Sports. Frosty, once again, where do they talk to you on social media? You find Frosty Rucker at The Organic Frost, and that's Twitter and Instagram. And if you see me on any other website, it ain't me, it's fake. Flag it and report it. All right. So for Frosty Rucker and our special guests providing their predictions for this show, former USC and NFL wide receiver Damian Williams, Matthew Lowry, the editor of SB Nation's Conquest Chronicles, and NFL Media's Marcus Grant. I'm Nara Wang. Thanks for joining us for episode 13 of the USC Football Podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, Los Angeles' number one sports podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in L.A. and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? And as we head into the battle for the victory bell with hated rival UCLA, please remember to always fight on.
thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.